Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 21 in just a moment. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. So when you find your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. We'll have prayer, and then we'll begin in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. All right, let's pray together. Lord, how we do love you, and thank you for the privilege to come back tonight for seconds. Lord, just more fellowship, more singing. And more of your word, we just ask you now to be our teacher and guide. Lord, speak to our hearts as we read this portion of the scriptures. We pray you'll just speak to us and apply it to our hearts and lives. Dear Holy Spirit, we ask you to make the message personal. Show us what you'd have us do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right, verse 1, the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking here in his Sermon on the Mount. He says in verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Long text. Tonight I want to preach a message about these things that Jesus discussed in Matthew chapter 6, being secret things. And I want to preach on this thought, secret service. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, the world has their secret service agents, but God also has His. And tonight we are invited to get involved in this service to the Lord as Jesus gives explanation of how we might participate in this ministry. We find embedded in this passage what Jesus referred to on three occasions as secret service. Look at these verses again with me in our text. Verse 4, he said that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Again in verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Again, verse 17, he says, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, uh, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So these are secret services that the Lord gives to us. Now, don't get me wrong, there are many things about the Christian life that should not be kept secret. Actually, God wants them to be known. And uh, think about those for a moment. For example, Psalms 107, verse 2. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. And I believe that's a reference to our testimony. You know, our testimony of salvation and the testimony that God saved us from sin, that is something that should be public knowledge. We should be willing to speak that in the open and proclaim that on the housetops, talking about how the Lord saved us. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, actually you can turn back a page and read it with me there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, not only is our testimony to be public, but also our good works, the things that we do uh, for good and for God, those things should be publicly known. It shouldn't be a secret that we're living a life of service to the Lord. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. The Bible talks about his acts of kindness. And Jesus set an example for you and I to follow. As we live the Christian life, our good works and our good deeds should be seen of men, the Bible says, that they might glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Psalm 119, or excuse me, Psalm, Psalm 18, verse 49 says this, Therefore, will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. I think something else that shouldn't be a secret is our praise to God. Now, I want you to notice carefully an interesting thought as we look at this, the things that should be publicly known, our testimony, our good works, and then here, our praise to God. In Psalm 1849, he didn't say, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, in the sanctuary. It would be fitting But he didn't say that. He said, I'll give thanks among the heathen. Think about that. You know, there is 
an aspect where we have to understand that praising God reinforces our evangelistic efforts. You know, when we have the right attitude and, and when, we, when, when God is working in our life, when he meets needs, answers prayer, takes care of us as good as God is, if we don't share any of that publicly, if other people don't know our God is that good, then what reason would they have to come to him other than, as we say, to save them from their sins? You know, people need to know how good God is. They need to know that the Christian life is more than just fire insurance and protection from from hell, although that's a pretty good reason to get saved. You know, the Bible says, and I find it interesting here, that, that our praise to God should be public. This is not something that we should keep a secret. Oh, I don't know about you, but I have to say ouch right there. I, I'm afraid often I don't praise God enough in public. Let's make, let's make it a point to do more of that. Amen? Now, while we're talking about all these public things, our testimony of salvation, the good works and deeds that God leads us to do and that we participate in, and then our praise to God for how good he's been, all of these are things that should be done out in the open. But don't confuse the two. There are some things that still should be a secret, right? There are some secret things. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us what this is, this secret service that he's talking about. Let's take a look. In verse 1, he gives us the first act that he considers to be a secret service. The Bible says, take heed that you do not your alms before men. Notice to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He's talking about giving here. The word alms was giving to the needy. This is uh, what, those stories where you would see a beggar uh, holding out their cup. And uh, they're asking folks to give alms to the poor. That's what alms is referencing. It's talking about the gifts, the charitable contributions that we would make to, to the needy. This is called almsgiving in the Bible. Now, actually, there are different types of giving in the scriptures. So number one, if you're taking notes, there's tithing. Tithing is the first 10% that we give, and we give that to the local church exclusively. That is not to go anywhere else. Malachi talks about bringing in all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. The principle of tithing is the funding of the local church. It's the way uh, that, that uh, the New Testament church is to be uh, supported financially. Now, I know there's a lot of people that will say, tithing, yeah, but that's an Old Testament thing. That is something God established in the Old Testament. But uh, hear me, God never changed that in the New Testament. He never did away with tithing and never excused it. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, he's talking about doing good, good works, and he says, this ought you to have done. And then he refers back to tithing, talking to the Pharisees, and he says, not to leave the other undone. So that's reinforcing the principle as well of tithing. <clears throat> tithing is one of the first steps in giving. It's where giving begins, the first 10%. Now, I would assume those who promote the idea that giving in the New Testament is better and different than tithing, you just give bountifully as the Lord leads, then we shouldn't have a conflict because you're probably giving more than 10%. So there's no discretion there, uh, no dis difference in, in our terms. 
Number two, though, the second kind of giving that's mentioned in the Bible is that of the giving of offerings. So tithing and then giving offerings. Offerings are given for different purposes and different occasions. It's totally separate from the tithe. It's in addition to the tithe. So it's going a little beyond uh, what, what the tithe would give. Then number three, there's another type of giving mentioned in the Bible. We just finished talking about this a few weeks ago, and that is missions giving. It's the kind of giving Paul was talking about, grace giving, how he mentioned that, um, the churches of Macedonia, as he wrote to the Corinthian church, and he talked about how they gave above and beyond their ability to give. And then lastly, there is this type of giving here that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 6. There are almsgiving, giving to the poor, giving to the needy, uh, as the Lord leads you to do so. So these are the different types of offerings. Now, uh, as we talk about different types of offerings, different ways to give, understand also that there are different levels, different levels of giving. In the message this morning, Paul told the men of Ephesus, he reminded them of the words of the Lord Jesus, how that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you know, as we grow in the Christian life, we grow in this matter of giving also. And someone has suggested that these are the levels of giving. So I give them to you tonight. Number one would be spontaneous giving. Spontaneous. This is kind of spur of the moment. It's impulsive. Giving as you feel led in the moment. It's not necessarily planned or, or, or regular. It's just spontaneous. When you feel impressed, then you, you give. That's spontaneous giving. <clears throat> Next, number two, would be systematic giving. Systematic, on the other hand, is calculated. It is planned. It is regular giving. And I believe that's a step up from just the spontaneous person. Number three would be bountiful giving, and that is, of course, giving more than what is needed or expected. Giving more, and, and, and the amount is determined, obviously, by the giver. Bountiful giving. And then number four is sacrificial giving. It's interesting that, that the type of giving the Macedonian Christians were doing, they, they were giving missions-offering type giving, but they were level four givers in the fact that they were giving sacrificially of themselves. Paul said to their power, yea, and beyond their power, they were, they were willing to give. And so he talked about their level of giving. You know, it takes some real Christian maturity to give beyond what seems possible. It takes a real love for the Lord to be sacrificial in, in that way. And uh, we find that it's good, isn't it? Uh, my home pastor as a teenager, he used to say, some people will say, give till it hurts. He said, I, I like to say, give till it feels good. You know, and when you grow in giving and you come through these levels, you, you get to a place where you understand what God's doing and, and it begins to feel good to give. Even when it hurts, <laughs> right? So really, because of your perspective change as you grow in grace, it really doesn't hurt anymore. It just starts to feel good because you know when God's in it, he's going to make it all work out on both ends. Alms, just as Jesus talked about in this passage, is a secret service. And the Lord Jesus is telling us 
that when we go about this matter of giving to the needy, this almsgiving, this is the type of thing that we do in secret. But there's another secret service mentioned in verse 5. Look at it with me, if you will. He says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. He's talking about prayer being the second type of secret service. He said, go into your closet, shut the door. Prayer is something that you do between you and God. And you don't have to publicize it. You don't have to have a campaign about it. You don't have to tell everybody uh, what's on your prayer list. You just get alone with you and God and nobody else knows. And you humble yourself in prayer and meet God there. Jesus deals with some things under this category of prayer. And first, what I want to give you is the content of prayer. Notice the content in prayer. Verse 6, he said, But when thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, you see, this is secret. You're in a quiet, private place. You go in, you shut your door. It's you and God there. And he said, Then pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I don't know about you, but I mark those words. They're much speaking. <laughs> and I have to say, Lord, forgive me. You know, I've been there, haven't you? When you're, when you're yearning over something so much that you just go on and on and on and on about it with God, and I wonder if the Lord's not in heaven just shaking his head. I heard you the first time. I wrote next to that in my Bible, few words few words when a matter is really urgent to us that becomes difficult doesn't it to get in the prayer closet and speak few words I think part of the reason why God doesn't want us to ramble about with much words much speaking is obviously he wants us to know that it's not the chant that's going to get us anywhere. It's the grace of our Father who hears our prayers and responds. So it's not magic. It's prayer. I think also, though, showing the understanding of God, I, I think he's also... I mean, can't we relate? How do you feel when someone goes on and on and on and rambles on and on? in your presence. After a while, it just gets annoying. I wonder, have we ever annoyed God with our prayers? Just because we felt so urgent, because, because we so wanted the answer, maybe, maybe you like me, on a few occasions, have used too many words. And when we grow in grace, we come to the point where we understand it's not about repeating it over and over. It's not about how many times we say it. It's about, the, it's about the will and the power of God to do so. 
And God will do a thing in his time. And when he does, he won't need you to say it more than one. Amen. Few words. I was thinking about those few words, and I thought about the content of our prayers, looking down in these verses. Notice what he says in verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your heavenly Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Another reason why we don't need to repeat it ten times, because he already knows what we need. And now he's hearing us discuss those things or bring those petitions. And as you read the rest of these verses, we already have, so I'm not going to do it again. But did you notice the brevity of this prayer? Did you see how much that he covered? How many topics he covered in this very short little prayer? It's amazing. When he talks about the glory of the Father, hallowing his name, praying for his will and kingdom to come, daily bread and provisions, forgiving of debts and being forgiven, temptation, right? He talks about all of this in a very short prayer. Just a few sentences. It, it really causes us to reflect. And it makes me think, looking at this now uh, a little more academically, to understand that when we get in the prayer closet, I think that we're not really intended. God doesn't really want us to do all the talking in there. I think God wants to speak to us in the prayer closet. I think God wants us to think about what we're going to say, and, and I think that God wants us to be specific in the prayer closet. We're, we're to pause and have some communion while we're in there. You know, so many times it's like we, we go in there, we punch our time and say our prayers, and then we come right out. I wonder if the Lord was ever waiting for his moment to speak, but it never came. We submitted our petitions and then left him standing with those requests. I don't think that's the kind of prayer God wants us to do. But we have to grow in our understanding of prayer, which takes practice. And when we practice, remember, shh, it's in secret. But he not only talks about the content of prayer, he talks about the condition of our prayer. Verses 14 and 15 is where he talks about forgiveness and the role that it plays in our prayer life and the petitions we give to the Father. That we're to forgive one another and be right with God. And we're to have peace even between us as partners, heirs, together in the grace of life. It's interesting, isn't it? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. That as we practice this matter of prayer and we bring our petitions before the Father, when we get this down, there's a confidence that comes. There's an assurance that comes in this matter of bringing our secret service of prayer to God. John wrote about it in 1 John chapter 5. Two verses, very powerfully written, in verses 14 and 15. He says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Wow. Wow. Two of the most powerful verses of Scripture written by someone other than the Lord Jesus. 
He's saying that we can know our prayers are answered before we ever go into the closet if we're doing this right. This is the confidence that we have in him. Wow. It's powerful, isn't it? But remember, it's secret. This is your secret service. This is where you meet God in private. You meet him alone and bring your prayer to him. There's one other secret service found in Matthew 6. This time we're in verse 16. Matthew uh, records it here as the Lord Jesus is speaking. And he says, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Fasting, remember, is not for the favor of men, although in their day it was used as that. The Pharisees and others, although religious, didn't understand the purpose of this secret service. And so they did it in public, and they did it for the applause and the praise of men. Jesus said they have their reward. The recognition, the fanfare, all that's, that they're getting is all they're getting. Fasting is not for the favor of men, but it is something that we do in the presence of our Father. So he says, number one, do not appear to be fasting when you are fasting. That kind of defeats the point of keeping it a secret. So he says, anoint your face and your head. Wash your face. Uh, appear regular like you would normally. Don't tell anyone. He says, do not fast to be seen of men. So fasting is not for the favor of men. It is for the favor of God. Fasting for his favor. He says you have to do two things. Number one, fast secretly. Or in other words, be discreet about it. Fasting is not something that you have to tell everyone about or that you should tell them about because remember, it is a secret service. Don't appear unto men to fast. Now, sometimes when you fast, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to bring you something to eat. They're going to invite you over. I mean, it's just inevitable. And there are times, you know, you, you, of course, you try to get around it. And uh, you have to practice that too. You have to get good at, you know, uh, declining and, and, you know, all of that when you're fasting. But there are going to be a few times when you're not going to be able to escape. You're going to have to say, look, can't do, I can't do that right now, right? I'm fasting. But you don't do that often. Those are, those are times you could count on a few fingers in your lifetime that you ever reveal that. Why? Because it's a secret. Shh, remember? Don't do it to appear to men to fast. Be discreet about your fasting and uh, don't tell everyone what you're doing. Uh, plan your fast, prepare for them, and then use those fasting times to meet with God. Remember that he is the one seeing you in secret and one day will reward you openly. Not only that, fast prayerfully. I think prayer and fasting really go together. And it's interesting, isn't it, that prayer also is a secret service. So when combined with fasting, it enhances the power that comes through prayer. Now notice, there are occasions, and I remember thinking of the occasion now, though it's 
didn't plan to go here, but, but I'm thinking of the occasion where, where the Lord, he casts out, you know, a, a devil, and the disciples said, well, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. So fasting does enhance the favor and the power of God in our lives. Again, all that's determined by God, but we have to do it correctly in order for it to work. So we want to we fast secretly, but then we also want to fast prayerfully. And whatever it is that you're fasting about, whatever the reason is that's causing you to go on a fast. Now, by the way, it's okay to fast for health reasons. It's okay to do intermittent fastings if you want to get in shape and lose some weight and all that kind of stuff. But look, don't, don't spiritualize that. When you're doing it for that purpose, that's not the same thing as what we're talking tonight. What we're talking about tonight is, is declining food or some kind of substance for your body. And you're doing that to commune with God and there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason behind it. You may be fasting for uh, some situation, some prayer request, some need in your life or, or in the life of someone you love. And so you commit to fasting, uh, you know, to, to have time to pray about that. Press, uh, fast prayerfully as you fast. Uh, let it be for a time period. And then let me say, be cautious about fasting. Just as we talked earlier about levels of giving, there are levels of fasting. So don't, if you're, if you're new to fasting, don't start out and say, I'm going to go on a 30-day fast. You might not make it. <laughs> you got to be careful what you're doing with fasting. Fasting is a powerful tool, uh, but it's also something that's hard on your body. All right, so don't plan on, don't, don't, don't put your physical health in jeopardy uh, when you do that. Do your research, do your homework, start small. And when you practice fasting, do it responsibly and take little steps. Grow into those different and, and longer seasons of fasting. So Jesus gives us here some, some earmarks of how we may do this secret service well in a way that pleases God and that one day, he says, he shall reward thee openly. So this is how you fast successfully by being discreet, not appearing to men to fast, and fasting secretly and prayerfully. Hey, tonight, we're talking about serving the Lord. If there are secret service agents for causes, uh, uh, you know, that we know of in our world and in our government, how much more should there be secret service agents in the kingdom of God uh, serving uh, more powerful purposes in life and eternity? The question is, will you be one? Will you participate? These are services that all of us can participate in. We can all sign up. We can all serve. But remember, shh, it's a secret. Some things still should be a secret. Secret service. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, tonight, how we thank you for the instruction that you gave in your word, guiding us, teaching us, helping us. Lord, giving us three powerful tools in the Christian life that we might use in our, in our daily life, in our spiritual growth, and also in the warfare of our enemy. 
Lord, we can fight the battles of the world and the flesh and the devil with these tools. And we can win when we learn to use them right. Lord, as we seek your favor, as we seek to serve you, help us to grow in our understanding. Help us to grow in our, in our skill and our experience as we practice these secret things. So, Lord, we're asking tonight, you be our teacher, you be our guide, you help us. That we might grow and that we might understand and that we might use this service to please you well in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.